0: Introducing the new era of digital identity with SoCure, the leading provider of digital identity verification solutions. The world is shifting to digital services. More and more people are expecting everyday transactions and government services to be readily available online. But this shift has also created new opportunities for fraudsters and identity thieves, which can put individuals and organizations at risk. That's why SoCure has developed a suite of cutting-edge digital identity verification solutions that can help prevent fraud while also ensuring equitable access for all demographics. SoCure leverages machine learning, AI, and biometric capture to provide fast and accurate verification even for those without traditional forms of identification. Whether you're a government agency looking to modernize your identity verification processes or a business looking to protect your customers and prevent fraud, SoCure has the expertise and technology to help. Join the digital identity revolution with SoCure and help build a more secure, efficient, and equitable world. Visit SoCure.com to learn more. That's S-O-C-U-R-E.com.
1: Uh, a frame that that i see like so so clearly is ai is very much a collective mirror of of humanity and so it will be uh, ai is essentially a collection of data that we humans input into this system and thus it will be a mirror of uh, the problems that we can solve the solutions that we solve our opportunities as humans um Which the more that we are coming from this place of fear, the more that that will be reflected in our technology.
2: Welcome back to the Government Huddle Podcast, guys. I'm your host, Brian Chittister. Artificial intelligence is on the brink of transforming government agencies. It's been promising to elevate citizen services and boost workforce productivity for years now. As agencies gear up to integrate AI into their operations, understanding the opportunities, concerns, and the sentiments of the general public becomes crucial for preparing to transition into this AI-driven era of government ops. A recent report found that three-fourths of agency leaders said that their agencies have already begun establishing teams to assess the impact of generative AI and are planning to implement initial applications in the coming months and i think we can all agree that ai is poised to significantly impact various functions and use cases a significant portion of agencies are gearing up to explore gen ai's potential within the next 12 months in particular leaders are eyeing improvements in their business operations and workflows with 38% expressing confidence that generative ai can enhance efficiency my guest today recently joined her fellow ai ceos including sam altman from open ai in Washington, D.C., along with members of Congress and the Senate and leading AI scientists for a discussion on how AI will shape public policy. Her name is Rachel Weissman, and she's the CEO and co-founder of Potential AI, a Silicon Valley AI company. In our sit-down today, we're gonna touch on numerous topics, including AI's expanding influence on government and society, our transition from labor economy to AI-integrated workforce, and preparing for an AI-integrated future and government's role in equipping citizens for an AI-centric world. Let's get started because I have I have so many questions after 2023 kind of brought on this onslaught of artificial intelligence. So let's let's jump in. Rachel, welcome. Thanks so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me, Brian.
2: Every article, honestly, that I've read, I think, in the start of 2024 talks about 2023 was the year of AI, the year of artificial intelligence. And what does 2024 have in store? That seems to be the the typical conversation mm-hmm. when it comes to AI. So I'm excited to kind of go to school here today and, and learn a lot from you and kind of what we saw in 2023, but also kind of what you're expecting as we look into the future. But um, as a kind of a launching point, I'm curious to know, what are you seeing from an influence standpoint? Like, obviously, um, a lot of what we talk about here is government, but I mean, I'm a citizen. You're a citizen. We're all part of society, so I think we're seeing mm-hmm. AI impact us beyond just government, but societally as well. What are yeah. what are some of the influences that you're seeing in this space from an AI perspective?
1: So let let's break this out on uh on a on a few levels. So I'm aware that I live in a bubble. So I live in Silicon Valley, <laughs> and there is a very different uh, relationship to AI than versus other parts of the country or the world. Um, I grew up in Chicago and I was talking with my parents um, about AI and how they should be exploring, integrating AI into their business. Um, They do not have a technology business. Um, And a lot of their friends are also like business owners of also not technology businesses. A lot of folks that I talk with, um, whether they be just like, Normal, normal people, whether it be from the coast or the Midwest or anywhere in between, um, whether they be business owners or uh, like school teachers or they work in government, um, I'd say there's the there's a lot of fear around what's happening, um, and I very much sit in the camp of holding space for both of uh, there's a lot of folks I'd say, especially in Silicon Valley, are under the notion of like let's accelerate at all costs, and we need to move as fast as we need to move, and mm-hmm. and, and all of this, and um, a lot. For from my perspective, a lot of that is really valid. Of uh, a lot of the impetus behind that is a, a defensive strategy to ensure that other countries don't achieve AGI or artificial general intelligence first. Um, equally, (laughs) we have one chance to get this right. So I'm sure many of your listeners saw on the news what happened not too long ago to like the Alaska airlines, like aircraft. (laughs) Um, and very similarly, when airlines test their aircrafts, they do rigorous testing. You would never fly an airplane (laughs) unless it was tested inside and out. And at least what I'm seeing from my perspective is uh, just kind of like going forward and kind of this notion of, hey, we'll figure this out later. Um, And so we're in this very interesting space of needing to, yes, move forward. And then there's also the folks that are um, sitting like the ethics kind of camp. Um, I'm in the notion of, yes, let's move forward and hey, let's do this right. And hey, let's use AI to enable people. Um, and I can speak a lot more about what, what I mean by that. And I really see a huge opportunity for folks, especially in in government and are creating our policies and really shift so much notion to help drive that narrative as well. Um, I'll say that as kind of a starting. Like yeah, that. I
2: mean, w- one of my hypotheses is in terms of kind of why last year did become the year of AI and, and why it took off, because obviously it wasn't, last year was by far not the introduction to AI, right? Especially as we've been working in government. it's It's been yeah. around for for a long time. Yeah. Last year, I think, in my opinion, what happened is we had uh, OpenAI release chat GPT to yep. everyone. And... A lot of people that maybe don't sit in seats like you and I, and and other enterprise businesses or, or work in the technology space, looked at what Chat GPT could do and just their jaw dropped and said, mm-hmm. "What's what's yeah. next? What's going to happen?" And then you saw again people that didn't have the experience with it. Some of them sort of bifurcate, and some say, "Yeah, let's just keep going and going and going," and mm-hmm. uh, others just scared to death saying. Whoa, if it can do this now, I don't want to, I really don't want to advance this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's sort of where I came from. I think generally, generally things take off when they become mainstream and they don't become mainstream until they're really in the hands of general consumers. And I think honestly, it just took off that way.
1: Yeah. And the, I started working on AI in 2016. So I was part of a team that was building one of the first AI products at Salesforce, um, which was like long before last year. Um, And I I really wanna hold space for like the fear that people are experiencing Mm -hmm. because it's valid. A lot of jobs are going to be displaced. Um, And really what the new working class needs to realize is the people that are going to be like AI enabled. So the people that are gonna be using AI in their work will be replaced by the people that don't use AI. And so it's really like something that I've been talking to a lot of folks about is how to adopt like what I call like an AI-first mindset. And so in everything that you do, from whether it be personal of like, what should I get at the grocery store? Whether you like take a picture of things in your fridge and be like, what what should this recipe be? Or integrating at work and of course, making sure that it's aligned and, and safe and aligned with your organization. But really starting to think about how can I integrate AI in everything that I do? You won't be replaced. (laughs) You'll be okay. And so it's really starting to shift of adopting new kinds of skills that will allow really like a new breed of humans (laughs) to accelerate and um, thrive in the future. I mean,
2: it's no different than perhaps when the computer came out, right? Or when the internet Um, started taking off i mean there's always there's always been moments in time where there has been let's let's call it an innovation right where where it changes the way we as a society approach certain things i mean henry ford built the car and he also created the assembly line i mean it's it's gone even further than that so i mean this just feels like it's it's just that next step it's that next transition point um, as mm-hmm. a society. And it's, it's how, it, I mean, like you said, you, you get it, you get one chance to really get this right. Um, but it's how we embrace it as a society. Are you going to say, no, I want to stick to kind of what I've always done. And then it, we, we see how that goes for people in, in yeah. most cases when they, when they do it the same way. Um, or are we going to adapt and our, uh, and kind of push forward and leverage this to make ourselves better, and make ourselves more efficient and and kind of expand what society can then do because that's that's usually i mean that's what we do is right we build on top of things and i think that's just this is just that next piece
1: yeah yeah it's it's such a huge opportunity for humanity <laughs> it's such a huge opportunity um and it's really this flywheel of like what is our intention with it and what is what are the actions that we're going to take around this um and really navigating moving faster than what we've ever experienced before. And I feel like that's that's where it becomes tricky with government. And that's why Silicon Valley is on the opposite side of the country than DC.
2: Yeah. It's <laughs> um, unfortunate sometimes that that they're not as as close together, not just geographically, but but in mindset. And I think but I, policy I think you, would benefit. I think from you that. also
1: you also need that that balance of like the innovation and move it and that needs breathing room from government and government needs breathing room from 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 that. And so equally there there needs to be more, um there's an opportunity for more cohesive uh, collaboration and understanding, uh, given just how vital this is with this
2: shift. And we've we've seen a lot of collaboration, at least more recently, especially within um, companies within Silicon Valley and the Department of Defense. And I think that's mm-hmm. empirically where we've seen a lot of innovation happen within government has been in, yeah, in those types of programs and projects. I think what's really held government back a little bit is the policies can't keep up, Right. It, how can you adapt adapted a policy where you have to create laws around certain things and policies around th- certain things when technology moves sometimes 10 times faster, 100 times faster, especially in this past year? Um, we only just had a recent executive order come out on AI, and it's really just guidance. It's not even necessarily policy. And how long has AI been around? Right? It just happened to hit mainstream, and now there's a little bit of guidance around it. So I think, and, and I believe this for a long time, I really think it is the responsibility of private sector entities to educate people. I mean, your average congressman isn't going to be an AI expert, nor should they be. They sure. should be an expert on their constituency. They should yep. know that because they're representing their constituents, but they can't be an expert at all things and they have teams to help. But they're, the, the private sector really plays a vital part in making sure that they have the information necessary to create policies that'll help government implement these things in a, in a fair and efficient and ethical way. And I think those are some of the things that I'm hoping to see from Silicon Valley when it comes to this. And I think we are, I think we're, yeah. we're seeing, um, we're seeing Sam Altman and, and others kind of meeting, like having, having private behind the scenes conversations with, um, policy leaders and, and trying to help them understand what the future looks like and where it can play a role. Um, but I think that that has to continue for, for it to be implemented in the way that it should be implemented.
1: I, I was talking with a, a, a friend, um, about like very similar like this exact topic, uh, not too long ago, and he's very immersed in the like AI and has done a lot of work with government. Um, and, uh, AI and the acceleration of AI is moving faster than what we can really understand and integrate. And so it's near impossible, given the rapid acceleration of this technology, to one, understand its impact and implications, and then cultivate new governance and strategies uh, around this. Like as an example, um, like in in Europe, you folks needed to, the the law of like the right to be forgotten, Um, that was never created until the internet came and you needed that right. And so now there are all of these new ways of interacting with technology that we don't even fully know and understand. Uh, because they're all still revealing itself and it's moving at this exponential rate, um, which evokes a lot of fear, which evokes, <laughs> fear. Um, what helps me really like land in this, uh, a frame that, that I see like so, so clearly is AI is very much um, a collective mirror of, of humanity. And, uh,
2: I don't know if that's a AI. good thing or a bad thing.
1: <laughs> it's it's an opportunity for, for growth. Um, so uh, for anyone listening that has maybe gone to a therapist or a coach or who has had maybe like a, a very direct friend or coworker in their life who's given them feedback, that's essentially what I see as AI being able to do on a collective scale. And so it will be uh, AI is essentially a collection of data that we humans input into this system. And thus it will be a mirror of uh, the problems that we can solve, the solutions that we solve, our opportunities as humans, um, which the more that we are coming from this place of fear, the more that that will be reflected in our technology. And so there's this, go ahead.
2: ahead. As you said that, I think that's really interesting and where my brain goes is, I mean, like a lot of things in society, there, there can tend to be small pockets of influence on things like that. So you say AI becomes a mirror for society in that way, but does everybody have a vote in, Mm. in that, right? Or is it the, is it 5% of the Eight billion people on Earth that that really are the ones that are influencing it. So, how much of a mirror is it? Right, it, that becomes, I guess, a bigger question than we're going to answer yeah. on this podcast. But what what do you think? Kind of the the end game looks like there.
1: <laughs> okay, Brian. So the, it, it's it's so much here, and it's something that I'm honestly um, it's a reason why I feel so passionate about building in this space. Um, As someone that is a female and um, just like identities and and things like that of just making sure um, like, yeah, just advocating for people in in, in that sense. Um, The people that are building the technology will always have more say. I highly doubt, just being really frank, I highly doubt there will be a world where the people creating the thing. Will have equal say as the people using the thing. That all being said, that's why it's so important for leaders, for CEOs, for government officials, to uh, be with the people. <laughs> um, and that doesn't. And I'm not saying from like uh, implementing like certain policies or right or left or any anything like that, but just making sure that people have a voice and the technologies that are being created. Um, and so there's been uh, talks of, uh, um, it'll be interesting if this comes into play more this year, of the potency of smaller language models. So a lot of what you see now with, whether it be ChatGPT or um, BARD, which is now Gemini, or perplexity or, um, all these other tools, they're like these huge, massive models that are getting pumped with like essentially like billions of dollars. Um, there's also a good amount of talk of creating more smaller, hyper-specific models. Um, and I think this is kind of like taking a step back. This is where trust comes in and being able to, uh, Really understand where your information is coming from, which I see as um, like there's a huge opportunity I see for like blockchain of understanding really the the trace of uh, where things are coming from, uh, who they've been interacted by, um, to really help that mirror be created by everyone at least a, at least a little more so. Yeah, um, I mean, but it's 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 so sticky.
2: It is. I mean, it's it's hard when I mean, if you just look, I mean, first of all, AI is not a technology that's just going to revolutionize the uh, our society as Americans. I mean, it's it's going to revolutionize global yeah. society, right? Yep. But if we if we take a step back for a second, we just look at the United States, how difficult is it to just get people to go vote? for any type of election, right? Let alone now have the ability to influence a a technology with with data and information that is going to impact a global society. Does it become a responsibility of people? Does it become a responsibility of the companies that are doing it to solicit that information? I mean, where do you see that sitting?
1: Mm -hmm. I I think it's so... You can bring a horse to water, you can't make them drink. (laughs) Um, And so I think that there's a lot that can be done, like taking the lens of of government, there's a lot that can be done with education and in schools and incorporating AI um, and not having it be, like I've seen a lot of whether it be like memes or comparisons of like when the calculator came out and like this is banned and and all of that kind of stuff and similar to what's happening i have like friends that are school teachers and i've been asking them of like are you integrating ai or just and understanding that better and i think that there's a a huge opportunity to um like integrate ai more from a, a foundational level which can then from that very early stage, help people be more aware of the impact that this technology can have. Um, But if the the intrinsic motivation isn't there, people won't take action. And so it's all about finding what are the core things that people really care about and meeting them in that space to then help them realize, oh, wow, this is really going to impact me.
2: So you, you talked about trust for a second, and I feel like that's a a massive piece of this and the industry I work in, um, talking around like identity and digital identity trust. Um, you see the use of artificial intelligence, creating deep fakes, whether it's Mm -hmm. videos of people talking, whether it's, uh, just audio of people talking, um, that, I mean, that makes people take a step back immediately, right? and say, "Well, if I can't trust this, what can I actually trust? What are you What are you seeing in that area, and what are some ways mm-hmm. that you think artificial intelligence can actually be used to counter? It's a, like that technology or emerging technologies that are trying to, um, like take things from people, uh, confuse people, influence people in ways that are are scary?
1: Yeah. So this is something I think about a lot of, um, we're so impacted by the information that we see. So whether we're, we go on Twitter or on LinkedIn or you're on in, any, really anything on, on social or you're checking the news and based on the certain algorithm, you're fed certain information. Um, Someone is behind the scenes, creating that algorithm and understanding your own motives and really what makes you tick. Um, Something that really scares me is from just a pure like manipulation perspective. Also what scares me is um, this upcoming election (laughs) and uh, all of the deep fakes that will will come from that. Something that I've also had a conversation with, with my family is uh, where things can also go with AI, and I don't mean just to continue to scare people, is uh, you can uh, create a voice that sounds just like me from uh, this podcast from anything and uh, call someone's mother, their grandmother and ask to wire money. You can do all of these just like really insane trust things. Um, And so I've had a conversation with my family of this is our safe word. If I ever call and ask for really anything related to X, Y, Z topics, make sure that I say this, and then you'll know that it's me. As a broader society, we're not there yet, but we're pretty close to that. So your question of Okay, <laughs> like let's take a breath. Like what do we what do we do about this? It's going to get really scary. there's there's a lot going on the The seat that I sit and stand really strong in all of this is the end of the day when someone makes a takes a negative, imposing action using technology, it comes back to the human. And so the more that we can really help educate people to not act from sadness and fear and harm, the less likely they'll do things that harm other people. Um, To give you a more, I'd say like a technology focused answer, um, this is where I see there's a huge opportunity for blockchain. I'm not building in this space, um, but there's such an opportunity to understand how things are connected um, and actually integrate that. I feel like Web three has been trying to like find its footing, <laughs> and there's such a huge opportunity um, from a, like I'm so interesting of what's going to happen in the like legal creator and also just like digital identity space. Um, and really using blockchain as a as a mechanism to understand of different touch points along like the life cycle.
2: That makes a lot of sense. We had a like this is locally. I live in I live in the DC area, so on the other side of the country. And there was a a local principal where there was a recording released of some incendiary things that he said about. Mm-hmm students about co-workers and i mean it was awful Mm -hmm. and the response was immediately that wasn't me i didn't say those things artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence can be used or was used and it's for me it's it's interesting because it feels like i I mean if you remember there was a period of time and maybe we're not out of this period yet where somebody would go on social media and they would post something and it, it was most of the time it was probably them and their fallback was, well, I got hacked. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you didn't get hacked. You just got caught. And it was, it, you said the wrong thing. And now it feels like it's, it's just another built in excuse, but it really begs the question, like, what really can you trust? And yeah. I, I think that's a a good option. What does that look like? I mean, tactically for kind of the people out there who don't understand, one the nuances of ai but two the way blockchain can be leveraged in scenarios like that what like what are what are some ways that something like that technology can be used to verify and give us some peace of mind that maybe this can't get out of hand because we can do verification
1: yeah so i don't work heavily in the like verification or like blockchain space. And so I don't want to like give an answer just to to give an answer. Um, but I definitely like know that there are folks that are like heavily working on this space. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there's a huge opportunity here for folks. Exactly like where it's going and how soon it will be implemented um, is still up for discussion because it's, the at the end of the day, it all comes back to ownership. Like, for, for for example, say I go to a, a local art museum and I see a beautiful Picasso painting. From there, I go home and I paint something that was inspired by the painting that I saw at the museum. Do I need to Venmo Picasso <laughs> because or split the profits of my art from what I saw in the museum? So what's happening now with AI is that is getting amplified on an even greater scale. I mean of part of what some... the writer
2: strike was about, right? Yes, yeah. exactly.
1: Exactly. Um and so it really comes back to uh, this this web of ownership and we'll we'll say like remixing or inspiration from that ownership from a uh, we'll say like a a collective level. I see it as this uh, like and kind of in the whole like language of like ai being this mirror and all of that it's i see it as society learning how to like let go <laughs> and uh, what we put out into the world is uh, end the day then it's kind of like set free into the world while holding space for that equally people should get accredited <laughs> and honored for the work that they put into the world so it's kind of this navigation of what you put out people should have the right of having it get fed into the cl- these collective models and what you put out into the world people should get acknowledged for and credited for those creations um so the specific solutions i don't i'm not that person <laughs> <laughs> um but more what i would say is like really how folk can start to think about that space which can help um navigate possible like legislations or conversations or or guidance around it.
2: I want to pivot real quick to something you had talked about earlier. And, and you said that essentially AI, it is going to take jobs. People are going to lose their jobs. And, but it's more under the context of as long as like, if they're not adapting along with the technology. And I think one of the narratives that um, people have put out there for a long time is AI is really not coming for your job as as much as it is it's coming to change your job. And one, that's where the augmentation comes in and and the adapting. But two, I'm curious to to get your perspective on where you see, not specifically where you see, because there's a lot of use cases, but that overall, maybe some of the best ways that you're hoping AI will help enhance certain roles and maybe some tactical advice for people as ai is getting kind of filtered into their to their ecosystems and their environments for them to leverage it to be more efficient and and better at their role
1: two two things immediately which ai will be incredible for um slash already has been is high level just like decision making so when uh, talking with any like leaders um you're making a, a million decisions every single day, um, whether you're making them from data or, or intuition or some combination of the two. Um, what AI can do is help you cr- help you make these decisions um, in a much more uh, effective way that's rooted in uh, like really clear data of where things are going with your organization and how that's aligned with goals. Um, You can also uh, take that to uh, like communication. So how you can uh, guide the way that um, you can cohesively communicate about your organization, whether it be internally or externally. Um, Also like a big use case specifically for generative AI is uh, helping you get from zero to one faster. So there's a lot of fear around AI is going to be more creative than humans. AI is going to like, there's going to be no need for a marketing team, things like that. For certain orgs, that will be true. Um, Without a doubt, you might, you'll see organizations that don't have a design team that don't have a marketing team, but it's really understanding what is the core value prop for your organization and uh, really leaning into that.
2: I like that you said zero to one, by the way, because I think that it's not saying you're, you're going from zero to 100, A to Z. It's really just a launching point for creativity um, or to to help you become more efficient in small exactly. factions. Exactly. But I, I like that you said zero to one.
1: Exactly. And so this is kind of where it gets into the, the second part of how folks should be thinking about, about AI and integrating it. So... When you look at the scope of your role or your organization, this is what I've been recommending for um, a number of organizations that I've been talking to. What are the core goals that you're looking to achieve, whether it be this quarter, this half year, this year? What are the roles that you have and what are the workflows that um, are happening within each of these roles? How can you uh, incorporate AI into any of these. So this could be as simple as go into chat GPT, go into perplexity um, and explain your workflow and ask, what are AI tools that I could use to support me? That could be your level zero if you don't want to contract out bringing in like an AI consultant or or things like that. That could literally be like a $20 <laughs> level zero of a place for folks to, to start. Um, and that can just help you start to shift into how can I incorporate AI into my everyday work? Um, because the companies that will embed AI will replace the companies that don't.
2: So as we start to wrap up, um... So you, you gave some some really good tactical advice, and I think that's that's a a really good place to start. I mean, you you can use AI to to understand AI, which is which is exactly. interesting. Yeah. But um, so so you've talked tactical in that way. But mm-hmm. as we kind of pull back a little bit and we take a a, a longer term view at things, mm-hmm. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the show that last year was really the year of AI and kind of how it advanced and um and moved things forward. What at the end of twenty twenty four? What are they going to say about how AI influenced this past year? So, what are some what, what are some trends we should expect? What are some high level headlines that maybe we might see at the end of the year um, that you would sort of prognosticate on now?
1: Yeah, so we're already seeing this um, a bit with so Google recently. Rebranded, barred into Gemini. So they already announced Gemini, and it has it's basically their chat GPT, essentially. Um, the The big thing that it seems like they're banking on that I see like a huge opportunity of just like integrating with AI in a lot in a much more seamless manner is what's called multimodal. So that's being able to use audio use images, use video, um, use text, really any way that us as humans express things, putting that into AI and allowing whatever output you want. So whether it be from audio to video, video to text, um, so on and so forth. Um, And so I really see a, a world where that more products and services get built around that and there needs to be more understanding with that. Um, on the uh, we'll call it like the trust and safety. I think the uh, the election in the fall is going to really test a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh how we're thinking about trust and deep fakes and um motivation, and uh it will be interesting to see how different um Candidates and parties are talking about their relation to AI because I see that is a such a vital opportunity for folks. The the last thing that I'd say is with um, like within organizations, there will be more um, whether it be like a head of AI or more folks realizing oh, okay, I need to act on this AI thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so bringing in more consultants or whatever it may be to incorporate um, their AI strategy.
2: Yeah, we're seeing in the government already where part of that executive order guidance was around the creation of the chief artificial intelligence officer at, yes. at the top secretary agencies. Yes. And I think that's a great start. And, and if they start to do some collaboration, like we see in some of those other um, C-suite uh, roles like the they have the CIO council they have the the chief digital officer council where you can collaborate and come together with your peers to discuss kind of use cases etc and, and ways it's impacting their organization and ways they they want it to impact their organization um, if you kind of layer that type of um, that type of approach on top of that role I think you're going to get some really strong movement tactically across across government it's just a matter of whether or not we can again going back to what we said before if we're going to see kind of the policies go through it but i I think it's important to remember i mean is stuff that it's not just hey give me some of that ai and i want to put it here it's it's really most valuable when it's integrated into some of the things that you're already doing to make it better i mean we pick up our iphone and we're using ai all the time we exactly. just don't necessarily know it. So how can we build small pockets of use cases around this into the things, like you said, it into the processes that we're already kind of moving on and get, gain more efficiencies, gain more ROI out of that. So I think that's a probably, like you said, a good place to start.
1: Exactly. Like what, are, what, are, what is your current workflow? And then how can I understand what tools that I can make this go faster or I can learn from something better? Or I can learn from someone else better, um, so on and so forth.
2: So uh, again, as we wrap up, I want to get into the the final five. I ask these questions to to everybody co- who comes on. Um, yeah. So let's jump into number one. What's the best advice that you've ever gotten?
1: So the the best advice that I've, and this is this is this is so simple. This is so simple. Um, and it's and it's from my mom. Um, it's just like believing in yourself and giving yourself the permission to, um, to go for it. So my mom grew up in like a really small farm town (laughs) on the border of Illinois and Iowa. Um, And she worked so hard and like ended up getting her like MBA from U Chicago. And it's just like super bright and just like the life that she's been able to create of just like believing in herself and, and going for it um, has Really been like such a inspiration and like form factor to how I show up.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good one. It's what I mean. I know my wife and I try to instill in our kids. And um, I was reading a book that I thought was really interesting, where they talked about um, where where that confidence really comes from. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole generation. I mean, we 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 see this all the time where they they talk. Uh, negatively about kind of millennials because they're the 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 trophy generation right and we want a participation award and and those types of things and um, I think there's a whole generation where they they decided that positive feedback was a way to kind of boost confidence and and when people have confidence they they tend to kind of want to go and engage and do more and and get self-belief And what they found was confidence and self-belief can't necessarily come from somebody else. It has Mm -hmm. to be, I mean, like you said, I love what your mom's what your mom said, because it gives you the permission. Mm -hmm. Then it's, it's now you can find that confidence by going out and doing things right. And falling on your face sometimes or not falling on your face and really taking off, but you gain that confidence from actually, doing the thing or like being in being in the arena right and Mm -hmm. and kind of learning from it so i think that's a really good one because you don't gain that confidence and you don't get into the arena without and use the word the permission to to really believe in yourself so i like that a lot what about the worst advice that you've ever gotten
1: (laughs) okay so um and this kind of goes back to I th- I think uh, like a, a small thread that we've been talking about is a lot in education and I see what will be happening a- education is going to completely shift as we're moving into this new era with AI. Um, growing up, I or I still am I, I'm dyslexic, but I didn't find out until I was an adult, and so uh, the it, it was my junior year of. Yeah, it was my junior year I was applying to college. Um and I went to a college career counselor. Um and she said uh, I gave her the list of schools that I was going to apply to. She looked at the list, she looked at me and she goes, "You have no backup schools lower your standards." And uh, obviously I'm just like crying. I'm just like a high school girl, I'm so emotional. I'm just uh-huh. trying to get into college. Um I ended up getting into every single school I applied to. Um and so uh, whenever someone else tells you more or less, like lower your standards, you're not good enough. And probably it was a, a token of motivation to go and just like do <laughs> and, and great things. Um, you have the choice of whatever people share with you of how you get to interpret that.
2: That's um, yeah. Did you take that as like a uh, eventually a chip on your shoulder?
1: Um, like you said I mean, probably probably a a bit i think it definitely like motivated as i was applying to to college um in like a 17 year old mind of like Mm -hmm. i'm going to show her kind of thing um that very much like dissipated (laughs) but it's uh, it was it was very much like a a pivotal moment for me and realizing that um whenever someone tells you to in this case like lower how you show up in the world or increase how you show up in the world you ultimately get to decide of is that true and uh, how you want to then act on that
2: so number three who's someone in history you'd like to have a conversation with
1: so someone that's been like with me a lot lately and i think given like I'm building in tech and um, I'm doing things in the storytelling space and, uh, and that I would love to have a conversation with Steve Jobs. Um, I'd love to have like a a long, like dinner or like a multi-hour coffee <laughs> um, and really just understand. Cause he was crazy in such an incredible way. I... People that do amazing things are
2: i i read the bob Iger book and they had some really good insights around his relationship with steve jobs in in context Mm -hmm. to obviously disney's relationship with with apple and kind of the things he talked about around when the ipod got invented and all of that and it's very similar to the 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 henry ford reference i made earlier where i mean you see this meme all the time if he if Henry Ford asked people what they wanted. They'd say they wanted a faster carriage. Well, he decided, no, this is what you need, and it is what we needed and but just the the relationship the two had and kind of how like Steve's vision and how we saw mm-hmm. entertainment and all of that, how do you it's it's crazy to to see an institution and say and in an institution that's been around for decades and say, "I'm just gonna change that, and we're gonna we're gonna go over here." And what gives you the what gives you the confidence and the courage to to do things like that? And I mean, it's part narcissistic, right? And it's part genius.
1: You don't you never know how much of it
2: is which.
1: Exactly, exactly. And to me, this all comes back to the the intention of 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 what you're doing. So, like, is it coming from a place of ego and like for me to have more power or whatever it may may be, or is uh, Was he like completely coming from a place of service? And this was like so much bigger than him. And he just like needed to release this into the world. Maybe was it a mix of both? (laughs) Um, And so like, for me, it kind of goes back to like, what was, what's the underlying like motive and intention that's driving that like massive action.
2: And, and my thought is it, it might not have been any of those things It might just, would have might've been like his proclivity towards saying you're doing it wrong. This is the right way to do it. (laughs) And just doing it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, all right, next one, what's inspiring you right now? I mean, we talked about a lot of topics today that feel very inspirational and kind of how they're they're changing, but what specifically right now is is inspiring you?
1: So, I'm so grateful to be alive during this time. Like so often, I I like have this kind of like meta moment for the point that we have that we are in history. Um where we are witnessing basically the new fire. And we're able to witness this coming online. Um, joking, kind of joking. And we're in that era where like Taylor Swift is, is at her prime. So it's like all of this is happening <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. Um, but yeah, really like in all seriousness, I was living in LA and uh, I moved out to the Bay in 2016, left during COVID lived nomadically for a bit, lived in LA for a while. And just given uh, the shifts and uh, momentum that's happening in AI, I moved back to Silicon Valley. Um, and I feel so grateful to be alive at this time and just all the innovation and all the opportunities and um, really think that like we can do this. <laughs> we can do this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be sticky. It's going to be worse before it gets better. Um, but there, I really get inspired by, uh, technology and like the little, like good things that lead into the big, good things.
2: And last question, where do you go to self-educate besides chat GPT?
1: Okay. So I've been, uh, I've been going to the library more lately, um, and have been really balancing. So, so much of my natural instincts are to use AI for pretty much everything. So whether it be ChatGPT or perplexity or um, various like news sources um, and have been intentionally looking to balance that with some of the uh, most like timeless advice um, are from books that are like 10 or 20 years ago. Um, and those still apply to today because it's just the same teachings, but in new form.
2: Um, Nice. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's funny how much we, I mean, I mean, we, we trip over memes these days, right. Or, or different quote posters. And most of those are coming from, from decades and decades ago. And it's, it's the same, it's the same same learning. It's the wisdom. It's It's just new, new (laughs) practical use case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time today and doing a deep dive into, I mean, we could have, I, I've, if we had a couple more hours, I know we could dive even deeper into this because it's, it's not a topic that's uh, that's very, very high level. It's something that you almost have to get granular on to, to really fully understand, but I appreciate you taking the time and, and kind of sharing some of your insights with us um, as we get into 2024, so really appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Brian.
2: This has been the Government Huddle Podcast. You can check out more episodes of the show by heading over to governmenthuddle.com or wherever you access your podcast. And feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter at ShitestrayB. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye for now.